0: Hi, you're listening to another sermon from Deep Creek Anglican Church.
1: The way we're going to do some of our uh, teaching after the Bible reading today is a little bit different. And as you'll see from the Bible reading, uh, this is about everybody bringing something because God is at work amongst us. So we wanted to model a little bit of that today. So uh, just Sit back, enjoy, because possibly this will be the last time you can just sit back and enjoy. No, it's, it's the time to get excited about what God is going to be doing in and through each one of us. Today I've got a chance to talk to us all before the kids go out about my fantastic holiday. Uh, last week I think the person who takes the selfie is always the one who looks good so sorry about that (laughs) last week my family uh, before last Sunday my family and I were uh, in the red centre up at Uluru, Ed's Rock and Katajuta the Olgas and Kings Canyon hands up Who has been to Uluru here? (gasps) Fabulous. Okay. Now, if you haven't, I heartily, heartily recommend it. It's so striking that at the centre of our nation, we have this enormous, beautiful, majestic, red heart. It is so powerful to see. And it's, uh, it's just so beautiful to see this kind of changing colour on this monolith that sits there during the day, just reflecting everything that the rest of creation is doing. Uh, absolutely loved it. Looking for an excuse to go back. So if you need some sort of, I don't know, bag carrier, let me know. But I've been thinking about Uluru and the fact that many Australians haven't had a chance to go and see what's at the heart of our nation and considering the Christian life and maybe the fact that many of us don't always know what is at the heart of our walk with God. The Holy Spirit friends, is that beating red heart at the centre of our life with God. And many Christians, like many Aussies, haven't fully appreciated the reality of that truth. More than that, even if we have and we're like, I've accepted Jesus into my life and I know that the gift of the Holy Spirit is mine... Do we realise the magnitude of that gift? So if you go to Uluru, uh, these days you you don't climb it, you walk around it, and actually, um, having done both, um, it's very majestic to walk around it, far more, I think, than looking down at a flat landscape from the top of it, walking around it respectfully and uh, seeing how great this monument is. And it's not human-made, but it's bigger than the Eiffel Tower. It's bigger than the Statue of Liberty. It's bigger than the Pyramid of Giza. It's bigger than Big Ben. The gift of the Holy Spirit, which you and I may take for granted is a far bigger deal than you might realise. Since the beginning of time, God's people have longed to have access to God's spirit, his presence with them and in them, constantly, consistently. And yet it's only been on and off someone special getting the spirit of God upon them to do something special, maybe a king, maybe a craftsperson. The longing of the prophets, the ones that wrote those big books, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, was that actually it wouldn't be on and off here and there, a bit now, a bit then, but that every single person would receive beating heart of God inside them, that God would remove our hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh, that inside of us would flow streams of living water, that each of us would be able to know God for ourselves because he lived with us and in us. And so for a church like this that says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we are open to the Holy Spirit's work and ministering among us, do you realise what a big deal that is? When in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, do you realise what a big deal this is? This was the heart's cry of all God's people for millennia. That the Lord we are seeking would come to his temple, that he would be with us and in us, that the messianic age, the age of the Spirit, would come. And, friends, on you and I, it has. We are living in the age of the Spirit all that has been promised. And so it's a big, big deal. But it's not just what you can see on the surface. There's not a lot of geological uh, knowledge about that whole area around Uluru, Katajuta, um, what we call Mount Connor. But we do know... That under the ground, there's a lot more rock than what we can see above ground. Just the way it was formed over time. And we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we've been laying some foundations. And the Corinthian church needed to be reminded of those foundations, because they just wanted to look at what was on top. They wanted to say, we're a church that has the Holy Spirit active amongst us. We can see his manifestations. But actually, they needed to know that the foundation was that the gospel of Christ, Jesus Christ, who we've sung and lifted up, is the foundation for any experience of the Holy Spirit that we have. His death and resurrection is what has enabled the gift of this beating red heart of God to be given to us. And there's been a foundation of holiness that's been laid throughout the book of 1 Corinthians as well. And uh, if you're anything like me, you've found the last 11 weeks quite hard work. We've been looking at some seriously weighty topics, what it means to live as gendered beings in this world, how to use our bodies, our resources, our freedoms, our rights. But Paul says that's a foundation in Jesus Christ that is laid so that you will see the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Now, uh, I think there's a problem with just using the idea of a rock as the gift of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody know, kids, does anybody know what where this is? Any ideas? You can just call it out if you do. It is Niagara Falls, whoever that was. Well done. Uh... I haven't been there. Hands up who has been to Niagara Falls. Oh, really? Okay. So Niagara Falls is beautiful, amazing, and it's a picture of power. The rock at the centre of Australia kind of sits there, but Niagara Falls, it moves. And you put a turbine next to it, it creates electricity, It changes things. The Holy Spirit is not simply something, a concept, which is at the heart of our Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. And the Holy Spirit is there to be active, to turn the turbines, if you like, of our ministry, of our families, of our witness to God in the world, And of our building each other up, as we're going to learn today. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a rock. It's not a waterfall. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the great thing about this, this is Rublev's icon of the Trinity, the visitors to Abraham, The great thing about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person is that it means there's nothing to be afraid of in opening yourself up to more of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about that today. You won't be washed away. You won't be crushed. You won't be left wondering, where am I? The Holy Spirit knows you and walks with you. And he is gentle as well as powerful. He is patient as well as exciting and unpredictable. He is good. And he is God. So we're going to learn more about him after the kids go out to their program. I'm going to pray and then uh, Emily's going to come up and tell us what the kids are doing today. Almighty God, we're excited that you are in the centre of all we long to be and do and that in the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are at the centre of our lives. We pray for our children And we know that the promise is for old and young, our children and our children's children, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all people, that they would know you and say to each other, he is with us. Amen. Maybe you go to the gym. Maybe your kids are involved in sport. Uh, maybe you're involved in scouts. But often, when you go to a club, when you're part of a club, it's because you've got a shared interest. And there's a lot about that club that's quite what we call homogenous. Same sort of people go to the same place because they're interested in the same things. Perhaps it's uh, model trains. Perhaps it's, I don't know, perhaps it's chocolate. I'm just going with something more, closer to home. But the church is not like that. The church is meant to be filled with people who are Almost entirely different, and yet are unified not by a common interest, but by a common identity and a common center. Jesus Christ living with and in us by his Holy Spirit. There is unity. But there is certainly not uniformity. But in further contrast to a club, the church is not a place where we come to do the same things every week. (laughs) Now, you might be like, you could have fooled me. <laughs> Goes three songs, then the Bible reading, and then Megan talks for about, ooh, 45 minutes, and then we cut the last song, and then we have coffee, and we go home. The church is supposed to be a place where we are responding. Am I on, actually? I'm dead. Okay. I mean, I'm not dead. I'm alive. It's fine. Here we go. I don't need to use the other one. I'll just use this. (laughs) The the camera operator will be pleased that I just stay here. Welcome. (laughs) The church is meant to be a place where we are actually responding to what God is wanting to do amongst us, in us, and in our community. And that might look different every week. Now the reason we often have a structure and an order and uh, things might look the same is because we've kept the things that the church is on about, worship, learning about God, speaking to him, uh, but we haven't always worked out how to have different people And different experiences happening together within an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. It's a terrible challenge. And we're going to talk more about it in two weeks' time. But today, we're doing something foundational. We're saying the church isn't a club. We're not the same. We don't come just to do the same thing. And... We don't come just to enjoy ourselves or receive. We come to contribute. Not just the people who love the sound of their own voice up the front, that's only me. But each one of us. And so Paul says, there is a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There's a diversity of service, but the same Lord. There's a diversity of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We are here to be used by and to get to know even more the God who created this universe and who has saved and loved us in his son, Jesus Christ. And each one of us carries the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, for the common good. Now the Corinthians, looking at as they did at this kind of top of the rock, as it were, knew that the Holy Spirit, could do amazing and supernatural things amongst them. And they particularly loved the stuff that there's no way they could have done by themselves. Speaking in another language, maybe an angelic language, and sharing something to people that has come directly from God. So Paul addresses, first of all, man, they're excited, and I am too. <laughs> Paul addresses this list of manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but there's a reason why he's given it in the uh, list that he has, in the order, I should say, that he has. Tavis, can you jump back into pro presenter for me? Thank you. We're almost there. I'll get you to go forward to the slides and let's have a look. Thank you. And one more. Okay. To each one... The manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, another a message of knowledge by the same spirit, another faith by the same spirit, another gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Paul begins with two gifts or manifestations of the Spirit, a message of wisdom and a message of knowledge. Sometimes uh, they would be called a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Now, if you've been around Pentecostal circles or perhaps even around Deep Creek for a long time, you will maybe... Think of uh, a sentence or a uh, a message that is given about a fact that someone could not have known about you but that has been revealed to them by God. So when you hear the word, uh, someone's got a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, it's about uh, unpacking the secret of my heart and God showing that he knows me. Now... That definitely happens, but I don't think that's what Paul means by a message of wisdom or a message of knowledge. I think that sits in the category or an umbrella of prophecy, but I think what Paul is saying here is the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work when someone is able to share about the Lord Jesus Christ the power of his cross and resurrection and to understand things about God. The reason why I say that is because of particularly uh, chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians, uh, that he says no one can understand God's wisdom unless the spirit reveals it to him or her. The message of the gospel is a spiritual message. We cannot comprehend it on our own strength. And so anyone that is sharing about the gospel and applying it to this gathering or to an individual, I believe, is using that message of wisdom and message of knowledge. But I don't want you to hear me saying that those other things... God communicating about someone don't happen. This is about starting with that foundation of the gospel and realising that that is a deeply powerful, spiritual, spirit-empowered, spirit-led thing to understand and to share. But of course, there's something very special about knowing that God understands us and knows us and that is what prophecy is all about. We're going to um, talk more about that in two weeks time but I'd like to invite Layli to come and share a really uh, gentle and introductory story I think about what prophecy
0: has looked like in her life so far. Thanks Layli. Good morning, everyone. My name is Layli, and I would like to share about the gifts that God has given to me. Since I became Christian, God, God has equipping me with different gifts. But one of the gifts that I believe God has given me is the gift of prophecy. Perhaps the gift of prophecy might be one of the gifts that is being ignored by some Christians. By I believe, according to the Bible, that the gift of prophecy, like other gifts, is given to Christians for the good of the church. There have been different situations in my life that God has spoken to me and wanted to, meet, and wanted to show me something and wanted to tell somebody or say somebody through me. He speaks to me through his words, my dreams, my feelings, the music I listen, the people I meet, the picture I see, and other things. I'm also aware that everything I hear or I see may not necessarily be from God, and the prophecy should be tested by the church. Let me share an experience with you. Almost four years ago when we came to Melbourne, in the first week my sister took us to Flinders Street where the St. Paul Cathedral Church is to visit the buildings and take some photos. When I saw the cathedral, I was so impressed by the building and I took so many photos and sent it to my friends. But at the same time, I had a strong feeling and confidence that this building is somehow somehow connected to my life or my future ministry. In that time, I had no idea that one day I'll be ordained in that building. Couple of years later, when I attend an ordination service at at the cathedral, as a visitor, as a vis- visitor, I realized that this is the building that I took in photo, uh, that I had taken photo of it. God gave me a vision through this building about my calling before I even know about it. I believe that God is still revealing his truths and working in me to understand my prophecy gifts better and deeper. Thank you. I would
1: love to share more about the different gifts in this list, but we're going to do that when we look at prophecy and tongues in more detail in a couple of weeks. What we want to do today is for you to see that actually this body is full of good things for God's people's good. So I'm going to invite Ben to come and share on the second part of the passage. And then I'm going to invite Shannon, uh, who is out with the youth at the moment,
2: to share something else from the Lord. Something that you, uh, you may know about me is that um, before I came here, I went through five years of study at Ridley Theological College, learning about a whole bunch of other things, uh, anything you could imagine, really. And I do remember my earliest experiences of step- stepping foot into this college. I met all these wonderful people. They were so friendly. But as I got to know them, I, I found it a bit intimidating, to be honest. They all, they all seem to be so clever, so just on fire about their, their sense of purpose and calling. Uh, and when we came time to discuss different issues, they just seem to know, like, I know exactly what I believe about X, Y, Z, and I can I- argue that, and I can feel confident about that. And I'm going, oh, like, am I even supposed to be here? I just didn't, didn't feel that. and, and so. I just felt like I've got nothing on these people. I don't. I don't belong here. This place isn't for me. And after Megan share, uh, hearing Megan sharing about these wonderful gifts that God gives to His church, I wonder if you feel like that. I suspect some of us today, uh, probably looking at ourselves and thinking, you know, maybe others have gifts for ministry. But not me. Like maybe others are kind of cut out for this kind of ministering to the body stuff. But, but, but not me. Like, it, like if only I, had, only I had that gift. If only I had that thing. Then maybe God could use me. Maybe you're thinking because I'm not gifted in, uh, in, in preaching or, or in music. Or in, or in prophecy. Or evangelism then I'm not cut out for building God's church. And I know it's hard because we all think about this, don't we? We all think like this, and I, I know that I do sometimes. And as I've been getting to know you, uh, which has been a wonderful privilege, uh, I, I know some of your stories that, that like perhaps five or maybe ten years ago, some of you were really involved with a particular thing. Uh, But then for for one reason or another, maybe you've become parents, you've become grandparents, you've been facing um, unexpected challenges with your health. Maybe you've had a significant experience, um, maybe a, a traumatic one that's really rocked you and it's just left you not sure where you fit. Some of us are just feeling burnt out. Can God still use me? Well, in our passage today that Glenn helpfully read out for us, Paul meets this kind of thinking, this kind of insecurity perhaps that we're feeling about ourselves. And he meets it by introducing this metaphor of the human body. And we're going to see that just as our own bodies have many different parts that all perform different functions... Uh, Paul's argument is that you can't build a functioning body of Christ, you can't build a church on just one particular set of gifts. Let's have a look from verse 17, I'm not sure if the slides are working, but if we can just head to the uh, two slides ahead, that'd be wonderful. Uh, and Paul, he says, if the whole body were an eye, well, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? These gifts that Megan was just sharing about, uh, they're not just things that God gives out kind of willy-nilly to only a certain little subsection of the church. No, in this passage we see that God has placed Them in in every one of us, every single one of us here, if you believe in Jesus, then you are supernaturally gifted. You are gifted. You're included in this. I'm included in this. And by the diversity of gifts that God gives his people, that's his way of arranging the body just as he wants it to be. And that means that you are valuable. You are important. You are needed in this place. And so whether you're feeling valuable or not, whether you're feeling included or not, whether you're using your gifts currently or not, I feel that God is saying to to me and to you, I deliberately and intentionally gave you the gifts and talents and skills that you have. I purposely gave you your unique set of hungers and passions and longings. I gave you those things that on your heart that you feel. And they are uniquely yours. They are uniquely yours. You are valuable. You are needed in this place. You are gifted. I heard a story a while back. If we can have the next slide, that'd be great. I heard a story a while back, back in the 60s. Uh, former President John F. Kennedy, he was visiting the, the NASA Space Headquarters for the first time. And he was, as he was walking around, having a bit of a tour of the place, he noticed a man who was mopping the floor. He was probably a cleaner or something like that. And so, uh, Kennedy, he walks up to this cleaner, and he asks, well, what do you do here? And the cleaner says... I am helping put a man on the moon. I love this because this cleaner, he got what it meant to be part of a body. I mean, you and I, we might think, oh, that's just a cleaner, that's just a kind of a sub thing that's not important. But he understood that by me doing my role, I am playing a vital part in getting someone up on that hunk of rock in the sky however weak, however uh, insecure you might be feeling, however limited that you might be feeling. We are all included in God's big purposes in this world. Uh, My friends, Christ's body is built up by recognising that the one body is made up of many parts. Every part has value, every part is needed. And so if you are feeling limited, or unsure about your place in this body, I want you to feel, we want you to feel valued and included. Because in Christ, that is exactly how God sees you. You are a great treasure in God's eyes. And because we are all included in this, because we are all gifted, we are all parts of this body, uh, Paul then moves on to, to challenge those of us who might Um, consciously or maybe unconsciously, be inclined to exclude others from participating in what happens here. I have a look at verses uh, 20 to 22 uh, with me. They'll be up on the screen, hopefully. 20 to 22. Uh, As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. In my previous job, I used to meet with uni students. I was a Christian Union campus worker, and I would meet with university students as they were coming along and just working out what's all this God stuff. Uh, Many of them were Christians, and it was actually a, a joy, an absolute privilege and a joy to be able to sit with them, read the Bible, pray with them and experience them growing in their knowledge and love of the gospel of Jesus, experiencing God actually by his spirit working in them to bring about particular gifts and longings and passions. It was just so wonderful to see that. And yet, many of the larger churches that these Christians came from, they felt that they were unable to actually use these gifts because of the high calibre of gifting that was required to be serving in that church. You know, it's really tragic when churches can communicate in one way or another, we have enough people with the gifts that we need. We don't need you. And I am deeply sorry if that has been your experience here at deep creek in the past because we do need you we are all part of the one body and god wants us to be a place here where all members are equally valued and needed where all gifts are encouraged and all gifts are used and so that means that this church wouldn't be better if i wasn't part of it it wouldn't be better if if you weren't part of it if you weren't part of it and this church certainly wouldn't be better if everyone else was just like me each of us is gifted in different ways and god wants this to be a place where every one of us feels empowered and free to exercise our gifts to one another in love that's what makes the church better That's how God builds his church, through these gifts that he's given to us generously in the spirit. And the great encouragement is that that God hasn't left us to try and pursue this vision of unity by ourselves. He has given us his very self to do this. As you see up on the screen, it says, God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. God has put this body together. He has put his church together with all of its diverse gifts and people, and by his spirit he reveals those areas which perhaps some of us might look, overlook as being insignificant. Insignificant. God places His body together just as He wants it, so that there will be no division in the body. This vision is also what sets uh, the church's idea of, of diversity apart from something that we might see if we went to like a Centrelink waiting room. I don't know if you've been to a Centrelink waiting room recently. Uh, you, if you are, you probably would have been there for a while. And if you look around, you see this incredible diversity of people. Different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different ages, men, women, children. Like you see an incredible diversity of people. And yet, there's no unity amongst them, except perhaps you know they're all wanting to be seen. Each person is there for, for their own purposes. But in the church, we we should expect to see this sort of diversity and even more. And yet, he also, as Megan said before, uh, the vision is that we will be so united together in our purpose and in our shared identity so that every victory that is experienced by the youngest child in our congregation would erupt into just a chorus of praise of everyone saying, how awesome is that? We get a little picture of this at the start of every month as we say happy birthday to the people in this body. We want to say, congratulations, we want to rejoice with you. But this body is so united in a way that God wants even those who are suffering, or every one of us here to be able to sit alongside them, physically or spiritually, and suffer with them. You're not alone. Just as if you injure one part of your body, the rest of that is of your body is affected by that. We want to be a place where. Those, those hurts, those struggles, and I know that there are many of you who are experiencing these things even now. We want this church to be a place where that is such a part of our DNA, because the body does share the same DNA. Uh, we want to be part of that together. That is the vision of unity that God gives us, and it is something that only the Spirit can actually make happen. We exist for one another. We are diverse We are are gifted differently. And yet the power of the Holy Spirit is what brings us together and makes us the one body. This is the level of union that the Spirit alone can produce in us. God has a vision of perfect unity for this church. He desires a supernatural, Spirit-led symphony of saved men and women. And now he is saying to us, I want you to be part of that. I want you to be a part of what is going on in this place. And so I'm going to invite Megan to come back up and help us think through more deeply and practically about how we can be a part of that.
1: There are many lists in the New Testament of gifts or manifestations of the Spirit. And my conviction is that none of them are exhaustive, but that God works how God wants to through anyone at any time. All he is asking for is our openness, our holiness and our hunger. We're going to stand up in just a minute and I'm going to ask you to be open and to see whether... God might want to do something through you. But it's going to be easy. Uh, Today I want us to think about the way in which God brings gifts of healings. And it is plural in the text. I don't think this is a picture of one person who is a healer. I believe this is a picture of the way in which God works through one another to bring healings at different times so that the body is enabled and sustained, celebrates and knows God's power. You might know that I have an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, over many, many years, I have gone and received prayer, um, both in my own churches and uh, at other churches that kind of set aside times To do that sort of praying and uh, if I didn't take my medication I would see an escalation in my symptoms even though I've had all that prayer but I am absolutely confident that God has brought healings every time I have gone for prayer when I was diagnosed uh, 12 years ago My markers for the disease were off the charts. This should have been a very, very significant disease progression. And yet, I believe that God has brought healings at every time that I have received prayer to sustain me, to bring down inflammation, to keep the medicine working, to give me energy, to keep my spirits up. Whatever it is... I'm doing extremely well, and it's not just because of the medication, because I know and the doctors know that it doesn't hold you, that there's always a deterioration. So I actually trust that if we're to all stand now, and those of us, thank you, those of us who, and you don't, no one has to say what they need prayer for, but if you have a physical or mental or emotional sense of needing healing today, all I'm going to ask you to do is just put your hand up like that. And I'm going to ask, and even if you've got your hand up, (laughs) I'm going to ask us just to look around and say, okay, that person has their hand up, that person has their hand up, okay. You can either stay where you are Or if you feel comfortable, not everyone, you know, we've got new people, that's fine. If you do feel comfortable, you can move around and just stand near the person. If they feel comfortable, you can put your hand on them, don't have to. Um, Otherwise, you can stay where you are and you can pray. God might particularly lead you to pray for one particular person who's got their hand up. And I think that's sometimes what the Holy Spirit does. Um, But I trust that right now by the Holy Spirit, there will be gifts of healings so let's pray I'm going to um, pray for us let's just take a time of quiet and I'm going to ask you if you know that this is you that there's something in your body something in your mind that you need healing for please put up your hand I'm gonna ask uh, Shannon, I think she's coming down now from the youth, to share something for us before we sing together. Uh, And just so happens that a number of the people sharing today are women, um, but I look forward to the next couple of weeks where we've asked uh, a few of the men amongst us to be open to sharing as well. So thanks Shannon, whenever you're ready to come up. And we welcome the youth back in and we're gonna worship together after hearing from Shannon. And then I'm gonna come back up and pray at the
3: end. Hello. Um, So I'm not sure what context has been said, but um, Megan asked us to pray (laughs) during the week. um, And so I asked God, Uh, for a word and the words i got was rise up that was that was it just rise up uh, wake up Um, and then as i started looking through the bible for verses it had some sort of reference to rising up or waking up um, i felt god remind me of um, a week or so earlier with the young adults um, we gathered together and had a worship night and um, as i was praying um, about what was going to happen that worship night and preparing for that um, the, the sense I got from God was to go to the book of Revelation, um, and so I went there, and as I started reading that, um, God just sort of really highlighted to me the worthiness of Jesus. So I was reading chapter 5 in Revelation, and just this worthiness of Jesus, that he is the one that can take that scroll, um, that it's his death, um, the person of Jesus, he alone is the one that can actually take on the sin. Um, and can be the one that, that offers that sacrifice um, and then also in Revelation just this the, the general theme of this victory um, that because of Jesus there is a victory we have victory or he has victory um, and as we gathered together the young adults um, for our worship night that night that sense became stronger and stronger as the, we were singing and we we're praising um, that was this kind of strength this uh, sense that just kept on growing Uh, that Jesus is worthy of our praise. He is not just worthy of our praise, he's worthy of our whole lives, that our whole lives should be of praise to him. Um, And there's this sort of growing sense. And then as we were, you know, worshipping and stuff, I think, you know, Esther, um, the song Cornerstone, um, which if you're not familiar with it, the words are, help me out people, it's uh, Christ alone, (laughs) Cornerstone, uh, weak made strong in the Saviour's love, uh, through it all, he is Lord, Lord of all. Uh, so that song was one that we started to sing and gather together singing um, and it all came back then when I was, I was sitting with God now just last week and I felt God sort of bring the two ideas together, um, this encouragement that I, Jesus is who he says he is, he is Lord, um, he is worthy and he's worthy of our whole lives. Uh, And so rise up, you know, rise up Shannon, rise up young adults, uh, rise up Deep Creek and just take hold of who, that you know, the, the faith and the trust that you can have in me, that I am the way, that I am the truth, that I am the life, that life comes through me. And that's an eternal hope that we have as Christians, but it's also a reality for the here and now, that this is a life that we have in Jesus. He's the one that shows us how to live life and for some of us that's we're going through hard stuff and some of our young young adults are going through some tough stuff but in amongst that life is found in me there's confusion out there in the world about what life looks like i get confused by that there's noise out there come in and focus on me jesus is the one who shows us the way the truth and the life And so it was this rise up, this call and this encouragement um, for our first love to be Him and for our whole heart uh, desire to be Him and for our life to be lived for Him Um, and just, yeah, to submit that to Him because He is worthy um, and we have this hope in the victory that He has. We then end the night with our, young, with our worship night. Um, Beth got this, word, this verse and, and I had it opened actually to say the same verse. So it's kind of that like nice confirmation when you get more than one person being told to read this out. But it was from Ephesians um, and it's chapter 1, 15. Uh, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Sorry, that's not really relevant. <laughs> um, okay, this is the part. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his his mighty strength, which he exerted in in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way.
4: Well I think God's trying to speak to us this morning church I think that's pretty clear Um, As Ben was Talking I was reminded Of when um, I felt God called Dan and I to Kenya Actually 12, 13 Years ago and I remember him saying to me I want you to do this, Um, I want you to Move to Kenya and I thought to myself that's Crazy and I remember him saying Do you believe in me? Do you actually, is it just a a go to church thing, or just run through, you know, know the theory, know the foundations. or are you are you ready to step out and do you trust me? and are you ready to partner with me and do you want all of the things that I have for you? And for me, that was a real turning point. Um, and you know, there's a long story there, but God is trustworthy when we're scared, and God is he's good. He's good. And I think from a head knowledge, we know that He's good and He has good things for us. But when we say yes to stepping out, even though that might be scary and unknown and uncomfortable and unfamiliar, because it is, He's good. And also Ben, when you were speaking, you know, the Lord You said something about maybe we've been there before and we're feeling weary or burnt out or tired or life's just got back in. And my feeling is that that's quite maybe a lot of us, that we've been there before. Maybe you haven't, but maybe you have and you've been there before and you've you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good and you've been hungry for him. But that's kind of, you're tired and you're weary. My sense this morning from the Lord is that he wants to satisfy that hunger in you. So we're just going to sing and we're going to pray and I invite you to be open. Um, If that's you, if you're feeling weary, tell God you're hungry and you just wait because it's not something we can do. It's not something that we, it's not our strength, it's all him, but it's about us saying, yep, I choose to partner with you, whatever that looks like. So let's come before him and just spend some time with the Lord.